Now, the first part of Matthew chapter 27 is the death of Judas. And, and it, it's such a sad, sad thing when I read about that. You know, he, this guy had no hope. He had no hope in, because he didn't have Jesus in his heart and in his life. He was with Jesus. He spent three years with Jesus, but he didn't really have that relationship, that personal relationship with Jesus that you and I, each one of us needs to have. We can come to church. We can even read our Bibles. We can do a lot of spiritual, religious things, but unless we have that relationship with him, what a sad way to go, though. He, he takes his own life. He, he, he was seized with remorse before that, but he didn't go to Jesus. He went to the spiritual authorities, and they just told him, you know, that's your problem. That's your problem. That's your responsibility. And, and so he went away, and he, and he hanged himself, it says. And suicide is a very serious issue, and we talked about it in detail or more detail last week. But I just want to say about this is that there is hope found in Jesus. There is hope. That if you talk to him, you'll find there's hope. Now that might mean you talk to someone here who will point you like they should have done. They should have been pointing to Jesus. They were pointing away from Jesus. But don't take life and death into our own hands. That's not a good thing. Life is hard. Sometimes you don't want to be here. We read many people in the scripture didn't want to be here necessarily. But, but God has a reason for you and I to be here. And he has a purpose. But we need to find out what that is. Maybe there's someone, one person. Maybe there's something that there's yet for you to do. Somewhere that you yet need to help to serve. Something yet to accomplish. Someone that needs a word from you. But until we pray, until we ask, God, what is it? I'm feeling hopeless. God, I, I, I feel there's, there's no reason for my life. Until we talk to him about it and say, God, if you have something for me to do, if you have some place for me to be a servant, show me. And you know what? I believe he will because he hears those cries, those cries of our heart. Now, today we want to look at the trial of Jesus part two. We saw the trial of Jesus before the religious authorities, and now it's before Pilate, Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles. Jesus said way back in Matthew chapter 20, he told his disciples as he told them that what was going to happen. He, he said this. He said, we are, we are going up to Jerusalem. He said, the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. That has happened. Judas did that. He said, they will condemn him to death. They did that. It says, and he's telling them this way, way before it happened. He says, and they will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and on the third day he will be raised to life. He told them exactly what was going to happen. He said that they, would be, that they would turn him over to the Gentiles, and this is what has happened. They have now turned Jesus over to the Gentiles. And that's where he stands now, before the governor, before Pilate, Pontius Pilate. Verse 11. It says, Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. Again, I've been saying this as we've been looking at these chapters. You know, what is so, so very important is who Jesus is, who he was. So they bring him before Pontius Pilate. And, and I want to look at some different um, gospels to kind of fill in some of the things that happened during this time. Let's turn ahead uh, to John, the gospel of John, chapter, 20, uh, chapter 18. 
John chapter 18 and verse 29. It says, Pilate came out to them. They brought Jesus to, to Pilate. Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? Which is a, a you know... A, a question that he had to ask them. But verse 30, look what they said. If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. You can kind of almost hear the disgust in their voices. They really hated Pontius Pilate, but yet they're going to use him to do what they wanted to do, which was to put Jesus to death. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. And this happened so that the words Jesus had spoken, indicating the kind of death he was going to die, would be fulfilled. What kind of death was that? Crucifixion, exactly. The Jews' uh, form of execution, which they did not have the authority to execute anybody except for a very rare circumstance, uh, they did not, the, the, the method of execution would be to stone people to death. Basically throw large stones at them until they until they would be put to death. Look with me now, go back one book to Luke chapter 23. Pilate said, what charges? And Luke chapter 20, 23 spells out the charges that they had. In verse 2. And they began to accuse him, saying, we have found this man, and there's three charges here, subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar, and he claims to be Christ a king. Three charges, three accusations. One, that he was a revolutionary, he was a subversive. Two, that he was a tax evader. And number three, that he claimed to be Christ a king. Now, the first two, Pilate didn't even pay attention to the first two. I don't know how he knew that the first two really weren't true, but he didn't even ask those. He asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Now, we know that Jesus was not a revolutionary. That wasn't his purpose to come and overthrow. We know that he wasn't a tax evader, right? When, when uh, the taxes were due, what did he do? He said, go fishing. And he was... Encourage them to, to pay their taxes. But as far as him being a king, that's another story. Back in Matthew now, chapter 27, Jesus says, yes, it is as you say. In verse, uh, <clears throat> verse 11, it is as you say, he replied. Jesus, when asked that question, are you the king of the Jews? He had to answer. It is as you say. Turn back to John chapter uh, uh, 13, excuse me, 18 again. I'm sorry, I should have had you kept your finger in that, huh? John chapter 18 again, verse 33. Pilate then went back inside the palace, and he summoned Jesus, and he asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate re replied. Is it, it was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? 
And Jesus answered, he said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the, by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, You are right in saying, I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And then that famous question, Pilate, Pilate asks, What is truth? And with this he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. He, he asked that question, what is truth? But Jesus said, you know, my kingdom is not of this world. He, he, he said things to Pontius Pilate that kind of set his mind spinning, though Pontius Pilate was not a very nice man. We'll talk a little bit more about him in a little bit, but, but for him to have this conversation, to be standing before Jesus Christ, the King, the King of Kings, and he asked him this question, what is truth? Jesus said, I'm a king, but I'm not a king of this world. You don't have to worry. I'm not coming here to overthrow you. I'm coming here to show who the, the true king of all the human race is. Didn't Jesus say that about himself, that he was the way, the truth, and the life? Pilate asked him, what is truth? What is truth? I was thinking about this. I, I've been reading a book <clears throat> recently about some of the direction that the, the Christian church is kind of going off. And, and part of it is to, is to, you know, going towards a sort of, a, a, they call it a postmodern uh, viewpoint and, and uh, kind of a relative, like everything is sort of relative and truth is relative. You know, if you believe it's truth, there are some things that, that you know, are still, you know, it's wrong, certain things are wrong, but... But, it, you know, th those have gotten to be less and less, and there's so much, it just, just depends on what you believe, how you feel. But, but, you know, Jesus, you know, standing before them, he was the truth. And there is truth, and I believe that the Bible declares what the truth is. But we have veered so far from that, and, and, and people who have taken the, the Word of God and, and uh, you know, twisted and we talked about that how how they twist the word of God or they just kind of write things out or or they some of it is just a viewpoint of how they look at it well it's it's kind of like a fable or it's a, a story or you know it's some kind of a conversation or whatever but this is God's declared word and when we start to go off from that we are in trouble when we start to go off from Jesus Christ into you know truth is relative what works for you is what works. Jesus said, no, that he was the truth. There's no other way to the Father but through him. Back in Matthew 27, verse 12, it says, When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. And then Pilate asked him, Didn't you, Don't you hear the testimony they're bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. He made no reply, of course, of fulfilling Isaiah chapter 53 that says he was oppressed and afflicted. He didn't open his mouth. He was, like a a, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he didn't open his mouth. I like what Peter says, though. Peter, who, 
you know, had all these trials and troubles, and, 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 but yet after uh, being you know, restored by Jesus, had a, such an incredible ministry, and you read about it in the book of Acts. But in 1 Peter chapter 2, he talks about this, and he says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. And when he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And then it talks about the fact that he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. You see, he, he was there in this place. They were accusing him of all these things. He could have just, he could have wiped them all out, literally, actually. But, but it says he didn't retaliate, but he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly, the Father. He entrusted himself. And we have seen as we looked at his prayers in the Garden of Gethsemane that, that his heart was just to do whatever the Father would want. Not my will, he said, but your will be done. Back to Luke chapter 23 again. Luke chapter 23 and verse uh, 4. It says, Then Pilate announced to the chief priests in the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted he stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee, he has come all the way here. And on hearing this, Pilate asked if the man were a Galilean. And when he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. There's a little uh, in-between thing that happens here where Jesus is now sent to Herod. Pilate wanted to get away from the situation. He wanted to release himself from responsibility. Verse 8, when, when Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform some miracle. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the, and the teachers of the law were standing there vehemently accusing him. And then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. And dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. And that day Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. No basis whatsoever. He repeats it over and over. Herod could find nothing. Interesting thing about Herod, Herod had killed John the Baptist, and he had wanted to kill Jesus too, but now he kind of wanted to see Jesus like as sort of a, a demonstration, sort of just a, a little show, a, a little entertainment, um, but, but, but missing the whole truth. Look at back in Matthew 27 now, verse 25. Excuse me, verse uh, 15. Now it was the governor's custom at the feast to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? Barabbas 
or Jesus? This is kind of the choice. Barabbas the man or Jesus the Son of God? This is what we see in these last, uh, this section here about this trial. Interesting thing about Barabbas, first of all, we know that he did take part in a rebellion, that he was a revolutionary. He was also convicted of murder. He was condemned. He was condemned to die because of his crimes. But the name Barabbas means literally son of the father, son of the father. Now, Jesus, over and over, he talks about being the son, and he talks about his father. So you have son of the father, small s, small f, right? And you have Jesus, son of the father, capital S and capital F. Which one will you choose? Which son? Barabbas, he had fought against Rome. He wanted to overthrow Rome. As a matter of fact, Barabbas was sort of a hero. He was a popular guy. Why? Because the Jews, they all hated Rome. And even though, uh, you know, the Jews had come to Pilate to bring Jesus to accomplish their, you know, their, uh, their uh, ends, they hated Rome. They wanted to be free from Rome. And in fact, they wanted Jesus at many times during his ministry, they wanted to put him into that place where he would overthrow Rome. But Jesus didn't come to do that. He came for another reason, right? Why did he come? He came to die for our sins, exactly. But, but Barabbas, this guy, you know, in some ways, he was kind of the guy they were looking for. He was kind of like the guy that maybe could do what they wanted. But Jesus came and he said, my kingdom is not of this world. Verse 18, he says, for he knew, Pilate knew that it was out of envy that they had handed Jesus over to him. So in other words, it was a frame up. Even Pilate could see something like that. Verse 19, while Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. Interesting. Pilate, in the judge's seat, he gets a message from his wife. And the point of this is you better listen to your wife. But does he? He does not listen to his wife. You husbands know what I'm talking about. This woman's name, uh, you know, in history, they, they, they say her name was Claudia Procula, and she was related somehow to the emperor. I'm not quite sure exactly. And so it was a, a marriage of, you know, kind of to help further his career or whatever. And some early Christians actually suggest that later on she actually became a believer, but that's hard to prove. But the fact is she's there now and she has some strong words. She says to her husband, don't have anything to do with that innocent man. It's, it's, it's brought out again, one, that he was innocent. But she has this dream, and, and, do, and God does speak through dreams from time to time, and, and we don't know if this was a dream from God or, or just a dream that she had, knowing that, that, that what was going on was completely wrong. Verse 20, But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. 
Barabbas, which of the two? Again, it gets down to this, which of the two? They have a decision, they have a, a choice. Do you want Barabbas, the murderer, the revolutionary who was just a man, or do you want Jesus, the one who came to give life, not take life? The one who would heal. The one who would restore relationships. The Son of God. Verse 22 after they had made it clear they wanted Barabbas, verse 22, this is, the, this is the, the question. Pilate says, what shall I do then with Jesus who is called Christ? What shall I do then with Jesus who is called Christ? That's the, that's the question. That is the question throughout history. What are you going to do with Jesus? That's the question he should have been asking seriously for himself. For every, for every person throughout history, that's the question that we're going to have to answer one day. What have you done with Jesus? Have you believed and trusted in him? Or are you, are you like Judas? You've heard about him, but you, you, you just rejected and you went your own way. You, you were about your own thing. What will you do with Jesus? What will I do with Jesus? What shall I do then with Jesus who's called the Christ? Look what their answer is there. They all answered, crucify him. They all answered, crucify him. We see this kind of this mob hysteria that's taking place there, following after the crowd. Well, the whole crowd is going this direction. And, and we see here that they were, the crowd was subverted. They were stirred up by these religious leaders. They were whipped into this frenzy. But just because the whole crowd is going that way, does that mean that that's the right way to go? Just because the whole world is kind of saying, well, this is okay, so it must be okay. What is truth, Pilate asks? What is the true way? Way, way back in Exodus in chapter 23, it says, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd. Don't just follow what the crowd says. In fact, there's got to be a personal choice. Pilate says, what shall I do with Christ? As a crowd, they all said, crucify him. They were all part of this insanity. It's a personal choice we have to make, each one of us. What will I do with Jesus? I've been reading in the book of Acts, and, and uh, <clears throat> in Acts chapter 14, Paul is, it says he's sharing the good news with these people in this town, this city. And it says that, you know, uh, he saw there was somebody there who, who was crippled, been crippled since birth, and he saw that God was doing something. He saw this man had faith to be healed, and he speaks to him to get up, and the man is incredibly healed. And it says that, that, that from there, it kind of like got insane. The crowd, it says, they, they said, these must be, Paul and Barnabas must be gods, you know, from the heavens. And so they, they brought a, a bull, and they, they brought some wreaths and they wanted, it says they wanted to sacrifice. And this crowd is hysterical. They want to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. And Paul and Barnabas they, says they tear their clothes. They said, what are, in the world are you doing? It says they could barely stop them from sacrificing to them. Then you read a little bit later in the chapter. It says they got stirred up again. But they got stirred up and they picked up stones and they started throwing stones. And it says that they stoned Paul 
so much that they left him for dead. They thought he was dead. He was done. You see, see what I'm saying about crowds? One minute they love you. They want to worship you. They think you're the greatest thing since the next minute they hate your guts and they're, they're ready to pick up the biggest stone they can find and, and throw it against you. Don't follow the crowd in doing wrong, he said in Exodus chapter 23. What will you do with Jesus? I had to come to a place where I had to make a decision. I heard what the people were saying. I heard, in fact, I heard Mike McIntosh, who was going to be here October 20th. I heard Mike McIntosh say the words about who Jesus Christ is. And I had to decide, and in my mind, in my heart, not knowing all that much, I said, well, you know what? If I said this to God, I said, if you really are who he and they say you are, then I'll give you a chance to prove yourself to me. You know, like, I'm going to give God a chance, you know. Well, he was giving me a chance, of course. I, I realize that now, but, but that's all I knew. And so I said, okay. And you know what? I, I, I went forward and I prayed to receive Jesus Christ into my life and heart, and my life has never been the same since. That doesn't mean my life's been perfect. It's been pretty close to perfect. No, not really. In fact, it gets, it gets harder and more difficult the older that you get. You know? But, but there's something about my life that I have hope, that I have hope for the future. Do I still get depressed? Yes. Do I still get beaten up? Yes. Do I, my body breaking down? Do I still have troubles and trials? And yes, but, but I know where I'm going. I read this little quote uh, in a devotional that says that he said he was going uh, to live until he died, and then he was going to live forever. And that's what I'm looking forward to, living forever. I'm going to live until I die, but then I'm going to live forever. And that's what I'm looking forward to, and, it, and it's found in the truth of Jesus Christ. What will I do with Jesus? I had to make that decision. Verse 23, let's finish the section. He said, why, what crime has he committed? They were shouting crucify him but it says then that they shouted all the louder Pilate is you know like knows that there's nothing that this man has done but they shouted all the louder they shouted all the louder Pilate says you know at least six times or more Pilate is declaring there's no basis for charges for uh for to put this man Jesus to death but they shout louder. And, and sometimes, you know, we think that shouting is going to help us make our case, right? You're having an argument with somebody. If I just speak a little louder, my case is going to be made clear, right? So you know, what I'm, you know what I'm talking about, some of you? Let's be honest here. Sometimes we shout to try to make our case because we have no case. And so when you find yourself shouting, just stop for a minute and say, wait a minute, I'm not making a case here. This is a little side point. This is a little free thing that I've learned in, in 33 years of being married. <laughs> stop and say, wait a minute, this is not going to make my case. All I'm doing is just proving that I'm out of control. That's all. But in this particular case, like shouting would make Jesus guilty. 
Like shouting about Jesus would make him guilty. There's nothing you and I could ever do to make Jesus guilty because he was the innocent, perfect lamb of God without blemish. It says in Luke, they, with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified and their shouts prevailed. Pilate, he gave in. He gave in. Verse 24, when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and he washed his hands in front of the crowd. He said, I'm innocent of this man's blood. And he said, it is your responsibility. Kind of tries to pass the blame back to them. It, you know, he, he sees that, not, you know, he's not going to stop this crowd. And rather than do the right thing, he just gives in. But he's thinking that if he just washes his hand, he's going to wash away the responsibility of it. And it just does not work that way. He hadn't actually done it yet, but he's getting ready to do it, condemn Jesus and send him to be crucified. One man said this, water will never absolve Pilate's guilt in history's gravest miscarriage of justice. History's gravest Miscarriage of justice. You can't just wash your hands of something like that. The truth is, they were all guilty. The people who sent him, Pilate himself, and so are you and I. We are all guilty and we cannot wash our hands, absolve ourselves of our guilt. But look at verse 25. What an what a incredible verse in some ways. Scary in others, it says all the people answered, let his blood be on us and on our children. Let his blood be on us and on our children. You look at that. Well, you know what they're saying. They're saying, listen, it doesn't matter. We'll take the responsibility for it. You just go ahead and do it, Pilate. Just kill him. And we will take the responsibility for it. His blood will be upon us. And some have looked at that, and I think they've kind of taken it in a different direction than, than that and saying, you know, this is why, you know, uh, persecution has happened to the Jews. This is why in 70 A.D. the temple was destroyed. You know, the, the city was uh, uh, sacked in 70 A.D. But, but the way I look at this, and, and what I'm thinking about this is it's almost kind of prophetic of the only hope that you and I have. The only hope that you and I have, and the fact, that, the fact also is that, that we are all responsible because of our sins. And the only thing, the only thing that will save us is the blood of Jesus Christ. Without his blood upon us, as, the, as it was back in the book of Exodus and the Passover, without the blood upon us, the blood upon the doorway, without his blood upon us, we have no hope whatsoever. And and. We will be responsible for our own sins. Verse 26, it says, Then he, that is Pilate, released Barabbas to them. But he had Jesus flogged and handed over to be crucified. This is the man who asked Jesus what is truth, and Barabbas is now released into the world. There is something so incredible about this, even this whole, this whole exchange, really, a Barabbas for Jesus. 
And, and it's the idea of substitution. In, in terms of, of theology, the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. And what that means is he was substituted. He took our place. He took our place. He took your place. He took my place. He died for my sin. He died for yours. But literally, this is what happens here. Uh, D.A. Carson writes these words about it. He says, it may be... Listen carefully to this as you think about the picture we have on the screen about the three crosses. It may be that the two who were crucified with Jesus were co-rebels with Barabbas, him being kind of the, the, the head guy. Because Matthew 27, 38, D.A. Carson says, calls him lestai, Greek word lestai, which is the same term used about Barabbas. And he says their crucifixion indicates they were judged guilty of more than robbery. They wouldn't kill them just for robbery, but for insurrection, for being rebels, they would kill them. He says the fact that three crosses were prepared strongly suggests that Pilate had already ordered that preparations be made for the execution of the three rebels. He says, if so, Jesus the Messiah actually took the place of the rebel Barabbas because the people preferred the political rebel and nationalist hero to the Son of God. You see what he's saying there? Those crosses were ready. There was, there was three people that were going to be put to, to death, and, and he's saying that it very likely could be Barabbas was the one that was supposed to be on that cross very shortly. And, and, and then this is what happens, and Barabbas is set free, and Jesus dies in his place. You see, that's what substitution is all about. He takes our place, the innocent for the guilty. He dies for our sins. Paul says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's incredible. We're going to have communion here in just a, just a couple of minutes, and, and that's incredible. But know that as we celebrate the cross, it's, it's him dying in my place. The end of Pilate, you know, it's hard to know. There's some things we know for sure. But uh, one commentary says this about Pilate. It says, his desire to placate the Jews by letting them have their way did him no good. And six years later, he was summoned to Rome by the emperor to answer charges of misrule. And some say that it was a massacre that he perpetrated. It says, banished to Gaul, he is said to have committed suicide. Another suicide. Why? Because he stood before the one who said, that he said to him, what is truth? He stood before the very king, the one who could help him. If it's true, and again, we have no way of proving this about his wife, that, that she came to the place where she surrendered, but it appears that Pilate perhaps did not. The question, the question that he asked is the question you and I will ask. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called Christ? They all answered, crucify him. We all, we all said the same thing by our sin, crucify him. And you know what? He went, and he did it. He was crucified. Why? 
Not because just what that's what the crowd wanted, but, but that's what sin demanded, the death for sin. Let's pray together.